Well, at this time, we are going to prepare to receive our tithes and offerings, so if the ushers can go ahead and prepare for that. You know, last week I was in a study, I was actually listening to a pastor speak, and he was talking about this, this group of people that he had visited, and one of the things that he had pointed out was that they, they didn't move very much. They got so accustomed being served. They got so used to people taking care of them that they didn't, they had no need to move. In fact, they would have people that would feed them. And they just got so used to receiving that by the time that they wanted to, if they wanted to move, they couldn't. Because they got so used to just sitting there and being taken care of. And they no longer could move. And I thought about that and I thought, you know, God doesn't necessarily need our tithes or our offerings. In fact, it's for us. He's saying, trust me, you need to do this because then we get to be an active participant. We get to be active. We get to say, I don't want to just sit here and receive because then I won't be able to move. Not just physically, but we're talking about spiritually as the church. See, if we're so used to receiving, 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 and we don't put any action, it's almost like physically if you didn't move, then eventually you wouldn't be able to. And we don't want to be a church that doesn't move, that we're not active, and that we're not able to step into that obedience and trust God that when we give our tithes and we give our offering, that is us saying, no, I want to be a mobile church. I want to be part of a church, part of a body that is able to move. So not just sitting here and receive and receive. And it's great to receive, but God is saying, no, 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 I want you to move. And that's when we give we're actually stepping into that partnership, stepping into that obedience, and we're moving. Now, if you are visiting us for the very first time, we want to welcome you. Please don't feel obligated to give. If you are visiting us from another church, please take your tithes and your offerings there so that you can partner with God with what he's doing there. But if you are like me and you call New Hope Church your home church, then this is our time where we get to say, Lord, activate me. I want to give to you so that I can be part of a body of Christ that doesn't just sit mobile, doesn't just sit idle, but moves and can be moving in such a way where we change our community, our families, the world. Amen? Let's pray. Most Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for being the kind of God that gives so freely, gives to your children, but also, Lord, that you want to bless us as we partner with you, that you want to bless us as we move because you want your church to move and we want to be active. So, Lord, activate us. Activate the giver, Lord. And as we give unto you, Lord, bless, bless your children and bless the tithes that come in. Bless the offerings, Lord, that come in so that we can use, use everything, Lord, so that we can reach those far from you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. The ushers, you can go ahead and pass out those buckets. You know what is amazing about God is that when he looks at us and when he, when he formed us, when he created us, he, he created us for him. Like it was, we were created for his pleasure. In other words, God loved us so much that he made us for him. Like, if you were to think of life from beginning to end, God saw all of that, 
but even so much more into a place called eternity. God created us for all of eternity to be with him. That's how valuable you and I are. That's why this series is called Life in God's Hands because our lives are literally in his hands. And because our lives are in his hands and we live on this earth, we tend to forget that our lives are in his hands because we see our surroundings. We go through life. We go through various trials and and problems and situations and we stress out because we're human beings. But I want us to focus today on who God is and that everything is all about him. When you came in, you were given a bulletin and you can take that out or your church app as Kimo was talking about because we're going to take some notes today. Let me just give you some updates on what's been happening. Uh, one is we are trying to go a little bit more paperless. So that's why uh, we're promoting the app even more. But not just to go paperless uh, because we still want to have notes for those of you who like writing. So just to let you know, we will still have uh, pa- paper and pen because for some, that's a way for us to retain uh, everything that we're writing, and we want to learn from God. And taking notes is something that is honoring to God. Imagine if someone was learning from you, and they had a notebook, and everything you were talking about, they were just taking notes on what you're saying. Imagine if our children, when we said, okay, guys, we're going to do some chores today, and here's how we're going to do it. They said, wait, Dad, Mom, let me take some notes, because I want to make sure that I follow through with this. You'd be honored as a parent. Like they would say, okay, Dad, how do, you, how do you start the lawnmower? Oh, like this, A, B, C, D. Okay, perfect. And then they go out and implement it. That's why we take notes. We want to honor God, and we want to let him know we're serious about our relationship with him. So that's one of the things that we're doing. Uh, the other thing is, uh, for those of you who may be in the fellowship hall, and when we pray over the tithes and offerings, we do have an offering box and a tithe box next to the mirrors Uh, Also, for some of us, when we come in, sometimes we miss the offering bucket and we're looking for someone to give our tithe or offering to. You can put it in that box. It's right on the wall and it says tithes and offerings. Uh, It's just a black box right on the side of the mirrors. And make sure it's that box, not the rubbish can or someplace else because then it won't go to where it needs to go. But that's next to the mirrors in there. The other thing is, and I'm sure you noticed it, when you walked in, You had no idea where to sit because we changed the seating and for different reasons, but, and and hopefully it's going to be a little bit better. We noticed a couple of things. Uh, One, that the way the chairs were arranged, we kind of started from day one and we just kept adding and adding and adding, but we didn't form it to where you sit, you're, you're facing the platform Uh, because I noticed for some, and I was in this position before when I would sit my head would be turned a certain way and in the middle of like the message my neck is sore you know I have to get up and stretch so we tried to configure it in a different way Uh, also we were trying to help with our camera uh, people because we live stream and uh, we noticed that when the ushers would walk back and forth in the aisle there used to be an aisle over here then they would be in the way Uh, not in the way Uh, we would just see them walking back and forth so we're we're trying different things and, and we hope that it works better and if not, please be gracious with us. We're, we're trying our very best to make it work for everyone. Uh, and then also, uh, people were asking about the, the law with service animals and, and how we're dealing with that. So I've been explaining that we are allowing uh, trained service dogs uh, to be in our services, but they must be trained service dogs. Uh, not just any animal or any pet because of the safety of others. 
And it's not just in our sanctuary, it's every building that we have, uh, every area, because people are always there. So we want to make sure that we're taking care of other people at the same time to make sure that the place is safe. Uh, and, and so regardless wherever we are uh, in the buildings, any, any area in any building, we're not to have any animals except uh, trained service dogs. And if you need more information, we have some paperwork at our information center. And some people are asking, well, how do I uh, get a trained service dog? And it's for those who are disabled. That's the law that, rec- or that's how you're able to. There's a whole process that you go through. So it's not just your dog can sit. That's not training. It's, there's, there's a whole process that you need to go through. And so we just want to make that clear that we're trying our very best to serve people and at the same time make it safe for everyone. Okay, let's take out our notes. Let's jump in talking about life in God's hands and what would life look like because our lives are actually in his hands. But sometimes we tend to forget that life here on this earth is not about us. That when God created, it was all about him. Now, it almost seems selfish. It seems like, well, that's kind of selfish that God would create all of this for him. No, no, he can do that because he's God. God is not a selfish God. He's a giving God. He gave us life. He gave us a beautiful uh, scenery to look at. He gave us creation to enjoy. He gave us himself, his presence, his spirit to be a part of for all of eternity. God gave us heaven as our final resting spot to be with him. And it's a perfect place. And we all have our own homes. That God thought through everything because it's all about him. God is the reason why we're here and he's the reason why we all exist. Therefore, everything is about God and everything should be done for him and for his glory. Now, sometimes we'll say glory to God or, I, or give God the glory or you'll even hear people uh, in sports or in, in, uh, in entertainment, they'll say, oh, all glory to God. Well, what does that mean? And what does that look like? How do we give God glory and, and why do we even say that? Well, the Bible says this in Psalm 113, verse 3. It says, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Now, why, why do we praise God? What does it look like? And, and why does the Bible tell us from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised? Well, the good thing is we're here on the east side, so we see the sun rising. And if you're on the corner side, you see the sun setting. But what the Bible is saying is it doesn't matter if you're in darkness or if you're in light. Giving praise to his name shouldn't depend on our circumstances or seasons. What the Bible is telling us is that he is worthy of always being praised because it's all about God. That he's always on the throne. Just think about it. It's the same with our life. If our life is filled with brightness and and it's vibrant, filled with life and love from one moment to the next, and then all of a sudden we go into darkness or depression or shame or guilt, maybe filled with death or despair in another moment, it's, it's kind of like light and darkness as a result of the earth and its rotation that blocks the sunlight. That's why the, the Psalms... The psalmist is saying, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. What he's likening it to is when the earth rotates, the sun is still shining. It's just the earth that is blocking the light's rays or the sun rays. So we have the sun here, and the sun is shining. And we have the earth here, which on this side, it's going to be dark. Why? Because 
the earth's mass is blocking the sun shining coming in this direction. So from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. So it's telling us, even though you're in darkness, you're still going to praise God because the sun is still shining. The sun is still bright. In other words, God never goes away. His glory is always there. Even though it may not seem like it because you're on this side, it may seem like you're in darkness. It may seem like you're in despair. It may seem like you're falling off. Maybe the, 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 the track or the trajectory where God wants us to be on. It may seem like that, but God says, no, no, that's, that may be how you feel, but that's not the truth of it. I'm always, always shining my glory. The name of the Lord can be praised all the time because he doesn't go away. Just because I'm in darkness, it doesn't mean the sun stops shining. The sun is always shining. So when the psalmist says this, he's giving us an analogy, a, a picture of how we can praise God because he's always there. He's always shining. And when everything is about God, even dark seasons, and through those dark seasons, we can have hope. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 tells us, For God, who said, Let there be light in, in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying, whenever you're in darkness, whenever you feel like you're in despair, whenever you feel like you're going into like a depressed mode, he says, go back to Jesus Christ because that's the glory of God. The face of Christ is the glory of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21 tells us then, we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. You know what the Bible is telling us? God is shining, but he's also in our hearts, shining in our lives. That he's not external anymore. He's now internal. So why is it important for our lives to be about God? Because I think we all want to be happier. I think we all want to reach our goals and dreams that God has given to us. I think we want to be stronger in our marriages, our relationships, have a tighter family. I think we all want joy. We want peace. We want everyday experiences and the things that we go through that are rather good or bad, that we wouldn't be dependent on our circumstances telling us how to feel or what we, what we believe God to be or who God is. It's all about Him, not our circumstances and how we feel. I think we're tired of having other people dictate to us how we're supposed to follow God or what we're supposed to believe in God. It has to come back to him, who he says he is, and who he says we are. I think it's time for us to make that determination and put our lives in the hands of God because that's the best place for our lives to be in. Everything exists and was created to bring God glory. And how does this happen? It happens when we see everything that God has made accomplish its purpose. That's giving God glory who he made us to be, how he created everything. I mean, when you watch the sun rise or the sun set, you cannot help but say, wow, God did a good job with that. That's, I mean, that is amazing. If you've ever gone to the top of Mauna Kea and watched the stars or went stargazing, it's unbelievable how God created the heavens or the stars. And, and God says, all of these things, when it's doing what it was supposed to do, when, it's, when it does what it was created to do, it's bringing me glory. Trees grow and, and, 
and flowers bloom and it shows the glory of God. Science proves the glory of God, not disproves the glory of God. And whenever God looks at his creation and it does what it was created to do, it's bringing him glory. And he created us. So he looks to us to glorify him. When we, when we fulfill our God-given purpose, we glorify God. It's not religious fanaticism. It's, it's a relational transformation that takes place. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11 tells us that you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will, they exist and were created. In other words, it's by God's will that we even exist. So we can be the kind of person that glorifies God in all that we do by developing these three simple attitudes that we're going to look at. And here's the first one. Develop a Christ-like attitude. Develop a Christ-like attitude. Now, why is it Christ-like? Because that almost sounds too hard to do. How do we develop a Christ-like attitude? Well, we have attitude all day long. Either our attitude is going to be good, neutral, or bad, depending on how we wake up. If we had coffee, did we eat yet? All kinds of things come into play that will help us with our attitude. But the greatest decision that you and I will ever make is to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. That is the greatest decision that we will ever make. Pastor Wayne Cordero said the second greatest decision, that's not only the first, but the second greatest decision is the attitude in which you follow him that we're ever going to make. Those two decisions, just from the beginning, gives us a way to live, which is a Christ-like attitude. See, everything created declares the glory of God. Everything. Everything except two things. Fallen angels and human beings. Fallen angels, which are demons, and human beings. We, we have to choose to give glory to God. We don't automatically give glory to God. That's why 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed from glory to glory just as from the Lord, the Spirit. In other words, we're like a, a, a mirror that reflects the glory of God and the veil was at the temple. There was like a curtain that separated the people and the glory of God. But now because we are the temple of God, that veil has been removed and now we see the glory of God and now we can go straight to him and not have to worry about something in between us that is blocking God's light and his glory from shining on our lives. Now we have Jesus who says, I am God's glory. I am his face. So now that we have Jesus in our lives, we can develop a Christ-like attitude because we have an example to follow. And when Jesus came on this earth and he did what he did, God gave us step-by-step -step instructions on how we can be Christ-like. That's why we get into the word of God. And it's because of him and his spirit and because of Jesus that we're now able to know what God, God is like, what he, his character, what he does. And because of Jesus, we have this example to follow. But sometimes we all want the quick fix. We don't want to go through a process. We want the quick fix. Ask any athlete. They hate the process. If they get injured, they don't like the process to go through because it takes so long. But in order to be fixed, 
or healthy or healed, you need to go through the process. Sometimes it takes a week, sometimes four weeks. With LeBron James, it's taking too long. So it's, you want to be 100% when you come back. You want to be 100%. But we're impatient people. We want our lives to be different. We want everyone to be happy. We want our children to change, our parents to change, our wives to change, our husbands to change, our, 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 our environment to change, people at work to change. We want, we want the economy to change. We want the government to change. We want the president to change. We want these people to change. Like we, we, we have all of these things in our mind, and God says, hey, just, just slow down a little bit. Let's start with you. That life is all about me. So if we come back to Wait a minute, God, if everything is about you, then I've been focusing on the wrong things. See, the process that God takes us through begins with him because it is always about him. Philippians chapter 1 verse 11 tells us, May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. In other words, it's not about a quick fix. It's really about becoming more like Jesus, becoming more like him. Now, without you nodding your heads or anything, wives, wouldn't it be unbelievable if your husband was just like Christ? Well, I just hang on. <laughs> and wives, I knew you was going to say amen, auntie. I knew it. I knew it. But husbands, wouldn't you want your wives Actually, I shouldn't finish that because then let's just move forward before the husbands get lickings. The Bible is telling us that there's a fruit that is produced out of our salvation. In other words, because we believe in Jesus, there's a goal in mind that we become more like him. And the question then is, because I know some of us might be asking, why do I, why do I want to be, become more like Christ? That's like, that's, he, isn't he the son of God? How do I become like the son of God? That's, that's too perfect. No, no. Being Christ-like is about giving God your very best. Like, instead of following other people and just reading books, how about we look to Christ and say, Christ, I want to be just like you. If he's our example, then now we have meaning. Now we have purpose. And now we have an example to follow with everyday living. That is giving God our best. It's becoming more like Christ. Versus saying, okay, Christ is too perfect. Let me look for imperfect people. No, no, no. We want to look for the perfect person to follow, which is Jesus Christ, because we're saying to God, you deserve my very best. So I'm going to look to Jesus as my example. I'm going to follow him. When we say yes to Jesus, we now begin to grow in him, mature in him, and become more like him. That's why when you look in your bulletin or the app, when we talk about rooted and growing, that's what rooting, growing, rooted and growing is all about. We're rooted in Christ and we're growing in Christ. Our roots go into him so that our nutrients come from him, so that we can be more and more like him. We're starting something called I Said Yes, which, which is going to be on Sundays, and it's going to begin today uh, at 11.15 to 12 o'clock, and it's going to run from today to February 17th which is a four-week course, and it has to do with, I said yes to Jesus, now what do I do? So if you recently received Jesus, or if you're wondering, how oh, my relationship with Jesus, what do I do? We're going to meet in the covered courtyard from 11.15 to 12 o'clock every Sunday for four weeks, starting today, and we're going to talk about the Bible, that what is the Bible all about? How to do devotions, how to journal, 
the lordship of Jesus, the importance of surrendering. And it's a way for us to begin that relationship with Jesus Christ to become more like him. On February 5th, we're going to do a four-week course called Faith Steps. And this is Tuesday nights, and it's going to go from 7.15 to 7.45 in the Relentless Room, the youth wing. And this one is to understand our journey and our relationship with God, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the church. What does that look like? And that's going to begin on Tuesday nights from 6.15 to 7.45, beginning February 5th. And the reason why we have these rooted and growing courses is so that we can grow in Christ, so that we can become more Christ-like. Someone asked me, do you have discipleship classes? Well, we don't have discipleship classes, and, and, and there's nothing against discipleship classes. It's just our heart is that everything we do is discipleship. So I can't go to a discipleship class thinking I'm going to be discipled, and then when I finish the class, I'm done discipleship. Discipleship is everything we do till the day we die. Everything we do is discipleship. So nothing against classes. It's just I wanted, I wanted us to have more of a mindset that said, Lord, I am always being discipled. I'm being discipled when I'm at home, when I'm driving, when I'm in the marketplace, when I'm shopping, when I'm traveling. I'm always being discipled, Lord. I am always in your so-called classroom so that I can become more and more like you. That's why he disciples us. That's why Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. He didn't say, go find disciples. Why? Because we're made. Disciples, followers of Jesus are made. He said, you got to make disciples. In other words, we don't just accept Jesus and now we're, we're perfected. He said, no, no, no. Y- you still need to grow in me. We still have our flaws. But he said, when you're discipled by me, you're going to become more and more like me. So that first attitude is, to develop a Christ-like attitude. The, other, the next one, the second one, is to develop a lifestyle of worship because worship is a lifestyle. And part of it is what we did this morning. It's singing songs. But did you know that right now, as we listen to the word of God, we're worshiping God because we're doing what we're created to do. We're becoming who we're created to be. We're saying to God, I want to learn from you. I want to worship you. I want to let you know how much you're worth. So I want to listen to your word. And he said, this this is why we gather. We gather as the church for him and because of him. So the best way I I can describe worshiping God is enjoying the presence of God in everything I do without sin. Because there are some people, believe it or not, they say, oh, yeah, I mean, I party all the time for the glory of God. I drink, I have fun. Hey, you just got to live life to its fullest. I'm thinking, well, you can give glory to God, but you don't need to have sin attached to it. You don't need, you don't need these things attached to it. You can give God glory in a way that's pleasing to him. And for us, we can be gracious with people who may be in that situation right now because they don't know yet. They're being discipled. And then God begins to transform us and change our hearts. And after a while, we're saying, you know what? I don't need that. That's how I stopped drinking. When I was in, I I believe, maybe 19 years old, first of all, I was underage. Secondly, I had to think about my future. And then I wanted to serve in church, and I thought, I want to be a better example for the youth because I jumped into the youth ministry and I said, then there's some things I got to give up. And that was one of them. I said, I I just got to give it up completely. I'm not going to have another beer. I'm not going to drink wine. I'm not going to, and it's okay 
it was just for me. Because the Bible does say, do not get drunk. But for me, I had to think about, I don't even want to touch the stuff. I'm not going to get involved with that. Now, this is for me, so don't feel condemned or guilty. You're like, bro, I just didn't drink last night. No, it's, this is what God spoke to me. You ask him. Because normally what people will do is say, okay, we're in the Bible. Because if the Bible says it, then I'm not. But if God speaks it, he will always line it up with his word. So there's just things that I had to make decisions on because I wanted to develop a lifestyle of worship. Coming to church is worship to God. When you get up in the morning and you're getting ready, you're doing that for the glory of God. Like God takes pleasure in that. Some of us take 15 minutes to get ready. We rush, we get ready. Some of us take two hours. All of that is worship to God. You're like, what? Hey, I worship longer than you this morning. Yeah. And sometimes it shows, but that's okay. We're, we're, we're to give glory to God in everything that we do. The songs we sing, who cares if we're not on tune? God's not looking at us and, oh, you're a little bit flat, so you should be on this side. Oh, you sing great. I'm going to come by you. No, no. God says, no, your heart to me, that's your worship to me. Now, if you're trying out for the worship team, that's completely different because, you know, we want to make sure that we're presenting at least something that will be at least on tune so that it doesn't distract all of us. And God gave us gifts to be used for him in specific ways. When we give to God and we pray, that's why we pray over the tithes and offerings. We pray over it because it's holy and acceptable to God. So we pray over that. Your giving to God is your worship to God. It's an act of worship. It's not something that the church does as a result of we need money to pay bills. It's our act of worship to God. And he says, I've blessed you with a wonderful facility, a place where you can call your home church, where you can be fed the spiritual word of God together, and we can reach out to people who have yet to come to know him as Lord and Savior. And we give to him, and he uses our gifts to multiply it so that his kingdom can expand and that people would find hope in a world that never offers the kind of hope that God does. We always come up empty in the world. When we give to God, it's our act of worship. When we serve, for those of you who are serving right now and, and those of you who maybe you're not scheduled to serve today and you serve God, that's your act of worship to him. Like God will look at us and as we're serving him, he takes delight in that. It's our service to him. That's our spiritual act. That's why I, I do this thing called four gauges and it helps me to gauge where I'm at spiritually, physically, emotionally, and mentally. And it comes out of the scripture that says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what, what I do with it is it helps me to gauge how am I doing in these areas, God? Because I want to worship you with my entire life. Not just specific little things, but my entire life. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally. I want everything of me to be about you, but I need your help. So help me to, to gauge where I'm at so that I can improve for your glory. That's my lifestyle to you, God. That's my worship to you. See, worship to God is not done out of obligation. It's actually done out of relationship. When you have a relationship with God, you want to worship him. It's not an obligation. Romans eleven thirty six tells us, For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. We exist because of God and are intended to bring him glory. This is why we exist. It's all about God. 
That's why some people, they have a hard time coming to church, not because of God, but because of people like me who may not live that lifestyle that reflects God. And they'll look at me and say, wow, I I know you believe God, but you speak just like me. The words that come out of your mouth are just like the world, and you, you do the same things as the world. Tell me why I should follow your God if there's no difference. That's the challenge. That's why everything needs to be about God, not about us. And when everything is about God, it's so much easier for us to live that life of transformation because it's not about us anymore. It's about God. Who are you and who are you making me to be for your glory? I want to reflect your glory. Romans 12.1 gives us that, that, that worship as a lifestyle. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. It's our lifestyle. It's our our life being given to God, living and holy, alive and set apart for him. And if you're ever confused about your life and decisions and the, the, the thoughts that we have, it could be that we've forgotten that everything we do is about God and that we exist for him and are intended for his glory. And when I first began to understand the new life that God gave to me and I began transitioning from living for myself to doing my very best to live for God because I still have tons of flaws. Go talk to Heidi. She knows them all. I thought, I thought it was going to be like uh, turn into some super spiritual person or, it's, or, or everything is going to be so super spiritual that I could not understand it. But really it was... It was It's about each learning opportunity of how God might use my life in the way that he wanted it to be used. And so I had to think about this new life. How was I going to live this new life? How was my life now going to be worshiped to God? And so I had to to change, but I needed God's help because you know how hard it is to change a person like me? It's hard. I'm so competitive even with myself that if I win, I still lose. So now I have to think of what are, what are some ways for me to change. So I'm just going to give you my top five, just the top five uh, new life changes that I made out of my relationship with God. You can make your own and you can ask God, what are my top five? Here's the first one. And this one I had to do quickly. I had to replace the music I was listening to with worship songs. In other words, songs that had lyrics that glorified God. And I had to do that because every word that was coming out of my mouth wasn't glorifying God. It was swear word after swear word after swear word. I didn't even know I was swearing. It was just natural language for me. Because I grew up in that environment. And the songs I was listening to, the movies that I was watching, it was just all filled with that. So I said, wait a minute, I want my speech to glorify God. So I had to replace the music I was listening to with worship songs. The second thing I did is I made a decision not to watch movies unless it was PG-13 or below. And in some cases, not even watch some PG-13 movies. Now this is for me. I know some of you are like, whoa, wait, eh, I still like my movies. Well, you ask God. You can, you can go to him with that. This was me. And I said, Lord, because I, have, I, have, I want to tighten up my mind and my speech. So I got to be careful of what I'm putting in me. And there are, there are some PG-13 movies that, or movies that I grew up with that was PG-13. And I look at it now, I'm like, whoa, that was, that was PG-13 back then? That's amazing. So I just had to be careful of what was coming in. 
The third thing that I did, and this one was hard. This one was a, a chore because it had to do with my physical body and people around me. And it had to do with lifting my hands during worship. Because I didn't want to do it for the sole purpose of, oh, everybody's doing this, so I might as well do this too. No, it was an act of what was happening on the inside. That I found out I was victorious in him. That I am surrendering to him. So when I lift my hands, I'm saying, I'm surrendering to you, God. And I'm victorious in you. And I'm letting him know you deserve the glory. You deserve it all. So I'll lift my hand for different reasons, but it's all because of God. We do, I mean, you go to any sports game. There's no one who is rooting for their team that has scored a point or touchdown, whatever it is, a goal, that is sitting down and just looking and be like, wow, that was great. They are painting their faces. They are jumping up and down. You have fireworks going off. You have people shouting, lifting their hands, high-fiving each other because someone scored a touchdown. They even lift their hands and, and they, 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 they have emotion and they do things with their body even when things don't go their way they, because they're involved in it. So when my lifestyle is worship to God, I'm involved in it. And it took me some time. I started with my hands kind of on the side, and I just would kind of move back and forth. And then I will just slowly, like one hand just kind of, you know, just nobody saw. It was just me. And I will just kind of, I was like, okay, God, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And I will slowly, like, just lift my hand, stretch a little bit. Like, I did it, Lord. I, I, I'm getting there. Like, I had to do baby steps. And then one day, I, and I don't know when the, the switch happened, but next thing I know, I'm just, I'm like, Lord, I don't, I don't care who's watching because this is all about you. This is not about me. And I lift my hands to you and surrender. You deserve the glory. I'm, I'm a person of victory, and I declare that, and I'm thankful for you. And it also says, from child to daddy, thank you for carrying me. Thank you. And it's, it's, it's an act of worship. It's part of our posture. So that was the third thing. The fourth thing that I did was I had to eliminate every word that wasn't pleasing to God from my vocabulary, every cuss word. I had to eliminate it, even the word donkey. I had to eliminate every single thing. And I didn't know why. Back then, I didn't know why. But as time went on, it's almost like he was saying, because you're going to be speaking in front of people, and you don't want to slip. So if you're speaking like this at home, and then you're trying to speak differently in public, it's not going to work. You have to speak the same at home that you're going to speak in public because if not, then it's going to come out sooner or later. So I had to challenge myself. That one was hard. What we did is we put a swear jar where I worked, and every time a cuss word came out, we had to put a dime. And all that money went to my son, my firstborn. He made 50 bucks in a couple of weeks. But it was, wasn't only me. It was my friends, too, that came and visited. And some people, they would walk into my workplace, put a $5 bill in it, and say, you know what, I'm gonna, it's going to come out. So I'm just going to put $5 in there. I, I now have credit. So <laughs> some people would put 50 cents and say, it's going to come out. And, but that process, I needed to go through that because I wanted my lifestyle to be a worship to God. 
The, the fifth thing is I had to make this decision to stay teachable to his spirit for ongoing changes. I had to stay teachable for future things that I'm going to learn, like taking a Sabbath day or date nights uh, or, or, or how I treat people or, you know, just things like that. I, I had to stay teachable because we never stop growing. And even though I have this list, and it may seem like, whoa, boy, that's a tough list to have. No, I need to have that personally for me. I need to have that. Your list may look completely different, but this was for me. And the reason why I wanted to give you that, not so that you say, wow, that's a, that's a great way to change. Wow, pastor, you're so good. You do these things. No, 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 believe me. <laughs> this is needed for my life. It's not because I'm good. It's because I'm not good. But I put this because he's good. I put this because he deserves it. Therefore, here's the third thing. I had to develop a heart for others. And if we develop a heart for others, we're going to be glorifying God. You know, our vision for this church is to reach people far from God one relationship at a time. We're always thinking about other people. We're always thinking about when you invite someone to church, what is it going to look like? How are, how are they going to feel when they leave? Did they, did they feel loved by God? That's why everything we do is always about, Lord, what do you want to do? And how do we reach out to people one relationship at a time? When we tell other people about Jesus, it can only come from a heart that genuinely wants to serve others rather than a heart of condemnation. God wants us to love others. He wants us to serve others. God wants to use our gifts so that we can reach as many people as possible. That's why he created us the way he did. This is why we give to God. And we are doing our very best as a church, as a council, to steward well the finances of God. And because of that, did you know that people are donating? You are donating even more than just tithes and offerings. You're going over and beyond. People are donating resources. God is providing. Someone donated finances for a new shelving in our kitchen. Someone out of the goodness of their heart thought of others and said, can, can I just give towards this? Because I, I know that we're trying to do things better and I want to give towards this. Our volunteers who make the tables in our fellowship hall. These are people that are making these things. A company donated wood. A company donated pedestals, these things to hold up tables. They donated these things. See, everything that we do is to bring honor to God. And when we're honoring God, he blesses his people. And we want to be wise stewards. And people have been donating. In other words, you are such a giving church. That's why this place exists. It has always been because of what God is doing. And he does that through you. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 11 tells us, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks... They should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. See, God displayed his glory in so many ways. When you read the Bible, he did it in so many ways. He did it through creation, the Garden of Eden. He did it with, with Moses and when they built the tabernacle and when they built the temple. God did it in so many ways. You know how he does it today? 
how he, how he shows his glory? He does it through you and I, people, his people, through his church, so that every day when people see his church, they get to see the glory of God. The problem is that we've lived so long with our own glory or for our own glory rather than the glory of God. That's why when we begin to serve others, a spirit of self and pride are broken, and now we can once again glorify God with our lives. And this includes loving people, thinking about others, even other believers. Sometimes it's harder to love believers than it is non-believers because we have high expectations. But the Bible is telling us, no, 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 you've got to think of others. Think of loving them towards God's very best. And sometimes we don't use the same grace that we have for other believers that we have on non-believers because of that high expectation. But we still need to give God's grace because we want to be more like him. First John 3.14 tells us that if we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. I say let's be people who not only put our lives in the hands of God, but that we would always remember that everything is always about God. And when everything is always about God, we constantly change to bring God glory rather than for self or personal reasons because it's all about God. Let's be a church who says, God, it's all about you. Therefore, help me to develop these attitudes that reflect you. Can you say amen to that? Put away your notes and let's, let's conclude. I'm going to invite Glenn to the keyboard. And we're going to pray together, so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. And with all that we've been talking about, let's just sift through and, and, and go to God because everything is about him. And as we bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment, it gives us a focus, a focus that is directly on God. And this morning, God, as we turn to you, as we pray to you, we know that you are constantly doing great things. The question that I want to ask us, Lord, is will we live our life for your glory or will we live it for our own? And if we say it's for our own, then there's no need for us to change and we keep heading down the same road. But if I say, Lord, I, wanna, I want to change for you, now there are endless possibilities. Then everything changes for the better. Our lifestyle, our schedule, our priorities, our relationships, how we think, our finances, the, the perspective that we have, the vision for our life. And even though it may seem overwhelming, God, you are faithful. You never let us down. And so today, Lord, we turn to you. We pray your blessing over our family. We ask that as we do our very best to become more and more like you, to develop that Christ-like attitude, to think about others, to develop that lifestyle of worship. As we do that, Lord, we need your help. We're asking for your spirit to come alive in us so that we can glorify you. And when we glorify you, We're doing what we're created to do. And when we do what we're created to do, we live the best life possible because it is in your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said together, amen. Amen.